Welcome to Transforming Lives, the radio ministry of the Biblical Counseling Institute of Garrettsville, Ohio. I invite you to stay tuned for the next hour for a live discussion providing biblical answers to life's questions. Here now is your host for tonight's edition of Transforming Lives. I'd like to begin by asking our uh, radio audience out there, this is a Christian program, I'm sure there's many believers in Jesus Christ that are listening. And the question I have, does uh, now that you're a believer, do you find that you do no, no longer struggle against personal sin? Do you find that you don't no longer have that inner pull of sinful tendencies since you, became, uh, since you came to Christ? Well, I think the, the answer, if you're honest, is the answer is, uh, of course not. You do uh, sense those, that inner pull of sin. And if that's the case, we have good news for you today. This, uh, this evening, uh, uh, we're going to discuss a key, key passage of Scripture. It's Romans chapter 6. Uh, it really is a, a, a passage of Scripture. The principles that are taught there, the biblical principles that are taught there are just uh, so important uh, for a Christian to understand in order to become more and more free from sin and more and more like Christ. In fact, uh, anyone who uh, uh, consoles or disciples others are going to find that the topic of this evening, Romans chapter 6, to be crucial uh, for consoling or for discipling. I want to personally welcome you, uh, our listening audience. Uh, This program is a ministry of the Biblical Counseling Institute located in Garrettsville, Ohio. My name is Armin Tiffey. I'm the pastor of Cornerstone Community Church in Mayfield Heights, Ohio, and I'm joined here by three other pastor friends of mine, Joe Propri, who's the director of the Biblical Counseling Institute, Glenn Dunn, uh, who's pastor of Cornerstone Bible Fellowship, and Gus Supan, who uh, is uh, on the staff, pastoral staff of Cuyahoga Valley Community Church. Guys, I want to welcome all of you here uh, once again, and um uh, this passage of Scripture, Romans chapter 6, uh, is, uh, I find it to be, especially when I counsel people, to be quite enlightening. I use it quite often because people that uh, we, we do counsel as pastors that come to us uh, are caught up into a pattern of sin or a habit of sin or uh, there's a issue within their life. We're talking about believers as well as, uh, you know, believers. Absolutely. Well. Yes, not just unbelievers that come to us. So um, you know, Armin, you're you're talking about uh, you're being facetious and asking that question at the beginning. Do you still struggle with sin? Mm-hmm. But um, I, I heard a a man on the television uh, preach. You 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 all may know the name. I won't say it, but I heard him uh, say to his uh, congregation or to whomever he was preaching that it it had been months since he had sinned, <laughs> and. Um, Remarkable. You know, I thought to myself, wow. You know, was, I, was he walking on water? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I relate more to the prayer which says, uh, you know, Father, so far it hasn't been such a bad day for me. I haven't slandered. <laughs> I haven't gossiped. I haven't worried. But now I'm getting out of bed. So would Help you please? <laughs> yeah. I bet you that guy's writing a book that he thinks will sell. You know. Well, I don't. As soon as he said what he said, I I said out loud, "Well, you ha- you just did." So you, just, <laughs> you broke your you streak. Broke the string. <laughs> well, you know the the uh, passage of scripture we're going to look at here, Romans six, especially the first fourteen verses. The whole passage is tremendous. Uh, Twenty three tremendous verses, but uh, verse fourteen I think is the conclusion of the, what it brings to conclusion of, and it says, "For sin shall have no dominion over you." There you go. And you know, Glenn, uh, when that fellow says, oh, I don't sin anymore, of course, we know that's not true because the Bible, John tells us very clearly, if you say you have no sin, you're you a liar. And the right? truth is that's not in you. The truth is not in you. Uh, but nonetheless, that scripture said, for sin will have no dominion over you. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what verse 14 in Romans 6 says. Um, however, uh, that's I don't think that's much of an experience of many Christians, is it? No. Sin does have dominion over many Christians. Mm-hmm. And as pastors and as counselors, we find that to be the case. And perhaps uh, some of you out there might be struggling with a specific sin, and uh, you have made very little progress, and you've begun maybe to despair, and you've given up. And now you've kind of uh, have regulated yourself to a level of 
toleration to it. Uh, if so, I, we, uh, we want you to know the importance, and guys, I'd have to say the importance, that usually when I share this passage with someone uh, that's um, uh, in the grip of sin, I start by say, stating the importance of Romans chapter 6 as it relates to our struggle against sin cannot be overstated. Mm. It just simply cannot be overstated. In fact, I say trying to resist our sinful tendencies without applying the truths of this chapter, impossible. of chapter 6, uh, is trying to... It's impossible. It, yeah, it's trying to, I tell them, it's like uh, trying to stop a running bull with your bare hands. Mm. You just won't do it. You know, and, Armin, I'm thinking there might be people listening right now uh, and uh, that that need to call their friends or something like that because we're talking about, if I understand you right, we're talking about uh, the the ability of some sinful patterns to actually dominate us so much that we would call them in counseling a life-dominating problem. And every Christian is going to sin every so often Mm -hmm. in different sorts of ways. And uh, we have the grace of the Lord for that. Mm -hmm. But those who are struggling with life-dominating, where sin seems to dominate their very personality and character, Mm -hmm. Dr. Adams, Mm -hmm. of course, in his book, calls that life-dominating sin. When you're so so driven by and, and run by and given over to a particular sin, you can actually labeled, be labeled by the sin. That's a, a sin dominating and mastering you, and it's not supposed to have that. Of course, Jay Adams will be with us on the program next week. We want to look forward to that. Oh, but, great. But listen, um, if, you're, if you're in the audience tonight and, and you have had an anger problem for many years and you're a Christian or you have been wrapped up in uh, – homosexuality, or or you have a drug problem, you can't seem to get free, or you're pet, what they would call a pathological liar, any kind of a sin that's grabbed you and you are in bondage to it. This program is really for you or your friends that are like that. Amen. Please get them to call because this passage says that's not supposed to happen for Christians. There's a way out. Uh, yeah, we can accept the fact that we're going to sin now and then, but sin shall never, any kind of sin shall never dominate us and dominate our character and personality. Mm-hmm. That's Amen. what we're talking about tonight. Mm-hmm. Amen. You know, the New English Bible translation puts it this way, for sin shall no longer be Lord over you mm. because you're not under law but under grace. Mm. And and I, you know, my in my own opinion, you guys are free to agree with me, in my <laughs> opinion, the... Uh, we'll try. <laughs> one of the biggest problems today from the pulpits across most churches is that we don't preach the lordship of Christ exactly. when people get mm, saved. Amen, amen. And, you know, this verse says, if we're going to follow that principle of put off, put on... Mm-hmm. And that Christianity, becoming a Christian in the beginning assumes the need for change. Um, here, here, this verse, I like this translation because it says that sin shall not be Lord over you. Why? Because we have a, a new Lord. A new Lord. And his yeah. name is Christ. That's right. Mm-hmm. And he's not only our Savior, but he's our Lord. Right. And this is, this is so, I think this is a dynamic that is missing from so many uh, pulpits today. And this mm-hmm. is why I think people struggle with life-dominating mm-hmm. yeah, sin. And, and they, don't, they don't realize or understand who they are in Christ. Right. That they have the they have the power not to allow sin to reign. They have the power not right, to allow right. it to reign. I, I like the way this passage of scripture. The way well, Paul, of course, when he wrote, it was just so logically uh, uh, how he put it together. But I just like the way it kind of hinges on three key phrases. I'd like to think of it as hinging on three key phrases. In verse three, it's the it's the key phrase of know your position in Christ. Don't you know? It says, don't you know who, uh, that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And then it goes on in verse 11, a second hinge is consider your, this to be true. Consider this to be true. Consider yourselves to be dead to sin. And then the third hinge I'd like to uh, think of as a turning point in this chapter as it's building up, it's setting, it says, now present yourselves to God. He gets practical. The Apostle Paul gets very practical. Present your bodily members to God, and I'd like us to to kind of unfold that for our radio audience as we discuss this. And and first, I would like to talk about the the first few verses there. As I'd like to read this, as the apostle writes, he says, "What shall we say then? Are are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For 
if we have been united with him in death like in a death like his we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his i want to pause there a moment uh, and ask you pastors what, what is what does christ's death you you read about christ's death in here uh, quite often. In fact, it's mentioned many times in these first 14 verses, but several times in the first five. How does his, uh, his death and, and, and resurrection relate to a believer's re- uh, relationship to sin, in a nutshell? How does it relate to that? Well, I think part of the nutshell is not to just see this as a future event, that i.e. the resurrection of Christ, but to understand it in its spiritual ramifications, and that is to say, if we are dead prior to our conversion, and we are, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that, we're dead in our trespasses and our sins, when, when we're converted, when we're brought to Christ, we are given spiritual life. Mm-hmm. And the idea, I think, a, a, an important part of the idea here that Paul is referencing for us is to understand the resurrection of Christ now in its power to us mm-hmm. as Christians. In other words, we live in the power of the resurrected life of mm-hmm, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Our souls have been resurrected. Mm-hmm. We have been brought back from the dead, spiritually speaking, to life. Yes. We are, as it were, all spiritual Lazaruses. Mm-hmm. And we're going to take a break here, but there's a key phrase, a key term that I think theologians use, and that key term is identification. Mm-hmm. We identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when we come back after the short break... Uh, we're going to discuss exactly what that means. So I was having my coffee the other day and I wondered, what's so special about Cornerstone Bible Fellowship? Is it the family-like environment, the Christian development classes geared for all ages, or the fact that Cornerstone Bible Fellowship believes both in the inerrancy and the sufficiency of the Bible? Cornerstone Bible Fellowship is committed to preaching, teaching, and counseling from God's Word. I've heard testimonies of how the biblical counseling ministry of our church helped my friend with her panic attacks, helped one believer with his anger and another who struggled with worry, all by giving them solid biblical principles to help them defeat these sins in their lives. It's amazing. At Cornerstone Bible Fellowship, I'm learning that I have everything I need to live a life of victory and godliness. It's my prayer that we will reach even more people with the good news that the Bible is sufficient to meet our greatest needs. Cornerstone Bible Fellowship is currently meeting at Remington College at Great Northern. For more information, call 440-617-0002 or visit us on the web at cbfministry.org. Welcome back to Transforming Lives. We're here with a uh, panel of pastors, and we're discussing uh, this evening a passage of Scripture that's a key. It's the foundation for transformed living. If you are struggling with sin in your life as a believer, this passage of Scripture uh, is, uh, is just essential in understanding um, uh, what Christ has done in your life. And um, the first thing we were talking about here is in the, in the first few verses, we're talking about our identification, our identification uh, with Christ. And as we read that, that passage, uh, guys, it talks about that we were, uh, were buried with him in his death, right? And it says that we, but we also were raised from the dead, and we walk in newness of life. We're united with him in his death. Won't we also be united with him in his resurrection? In, in, in a resurrection like his. Uh, so uh, that passage of Scripture talks about what theologians calls an identity. In other words, a believer needs to understand your, when you came to Christ, your identity changed. You have a whole new identity. identity. That has to do with your position in Christ. Mm. That's right. That's right. And Armin, you know, the, to piggyback on that, <clears throat> Throughout the scriptures, the Apostle Paul is a champion of that very issue because he addresses in one place, for example, him using himself and how he thinks about his own life when he says, uh, I'm crucified with Christ. Yes. And then he follows that by saying, nevertheless, I live, right. but it's Christ living in me, yes. and through me, basically. And what mm-hmm. we're saying is that uh, uh, the Heavenly Father, and this is still a miraculous thought that could choke me as I say it, but the Heavenly Father, when he sees us, he sees Christ wrapped Amen. around us and in Amen. us, and he's, he sees his son mm-hmm. who is perfect. Mm-hmm. And that's a, 
that's the source of the grace that enables us to become what what Jesus is. Right. But Jesus is in us, changing us to become what he is. Right. I, I think it could be illustrated. I think all of us uh, in baptizing people uh, demonstrate that that reality. In other words, we are immersed into Christ. We 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 go down dead to sin, right. mm-hmm. and we're raised to the newness of life. Mm-hmm. And and every time you uh, experience a baptism, a tender baptismal mm-hmm. service, that truth right. of identification right. is mm-hmm. being uh, demonstrated in front of you. Mm-hmm. Gosh, you hit on you hit on it right there. That's the identification. That's mm-hmm. the identification. Is we identify with his death, burial, and, and resurrection. resurrection. As believers, uh, it's a key factor, and uh, and it's a key factor. In, 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 if you don't understand, it will hinder. The Satan wants to keep a Christian ignorant of this biblical truth, so he can keep us spiritually weak. Mm. And to put it in a, or simple terms, it's it's like this: our identification. What happened to Jesus Christ two thousand years ago happened to you in God's mind at the moment of your conversion. Mm-hmm. In other words, when Jesus died. At your conversion, you died. When Jesus was buried, you were buried. When Jesus rose from the dead, you rose from the dead. When you placed faith in Christ, God applied to you what happened to Christ. And what happened to Christ physically happens to us I once heard I once heard uh, a, a teaching on this where, where this uh, pastor at one of the Ligonier Conference said that you consider yourself climbing up on that cross grabbing hold of each one of Jesus' hands, putting your cheek next to his cheek and putting your feet on his and picture yourself being crucified with him. Uh, right right there. What a, I, I thought it was a graphic uh, illustration of what that means. No. You know, Hendrickson in his commentary on Romans puts it this way as he considers verse 5, For if we have become united with Christ in a death like his, so that his death brought about our death to constantly living in sin, we shall certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. That is then surely his bodily resurrection, understood in its most comprehensive sense, will bring about our spiritual resurrection, that is, our walking in newness of life. I think we would all agree that people don't gain victory in what Joe has illustrated here that we all know as a life-dominating sin because they don't live in the reality of that truth. Amen. I think even more than that, it is because we are not taught to think biblically about these things, again, from most of our pulpits mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. You, you know, Armin, in the three points that you've given to us here from Romans chapter 6, the first is to know and the second is to consider. That's right. And then the third aspect is to present. Mm-hmm. In in um in our church, I'm, I'm sure our folks, um, I I won't say grow weary, grow to appreciate even more <laughs> how often um we we will admonish to say we have to think biblically. Yes, and and if we're not thinking biblically about our relationship to Christ, mm-hmm. then we're not going to think biblically about our relationship to con- right, to the continuance right, right. of sin. Yeah, George Barna George Barna did some st- statistical work on this. Uh, he's the uh, prominent uh, uh, Christian uh, uh, poll taker, uh, for in search of another word, he says that only 7% of people who propose to be born again have a biblical worldview or think biblically about things. Mm-hmm. And that's discouraging. And we can see the, the, the fact that they, they perish for ignorance. Right, right. Well, we can see why people aren't being transformed then because that's we're right. transformed by the renewing of our minds. Mm-hmm. That's right. So we have to right. study the scriptures and renew our minds and think right. biblically about everything. What's the gospel? The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Mm. Christ has uh, died, right. Christ is risen, Christ it, will it, come again. Exactly. And the problem is that most Christians, the reason why they don't enter into a life of victory is because they only see the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as a means of delivering them from the penalty of sin, which is hell. That's Justification. True. They don't apply the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ to for sanctification, power. as the Apostle Paul is telling us to do here. Mm-hmm. To live a Christ of victory, you also have to see yourself as having died in him, it says. We die, you die to your sin nature, and you've been raised to newness of life. In fact, that's the key, that key ver- I think, very key verse is verse 6. Wouldn't you say, you guys? Mm-hmm. When you say key verse? Mm-hmm. We know that our old self was crucified with him, 
in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Jesus Christ broke the power of the sin nature in our lives. Armin, let me say it a different way, just in case somebody's not catching it. Um, A lot of Christians think about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ as a past event that secured for them eternal life, which is coming in the future. But the present is quite a struggle because the reality of his life in us being lived through us is not known or or considered, mm-hmm. which is where we're heading uh, soon. Right. Let me just remind our listeners, Armin, that uh, we're live, and if someone would like to call in, the number is 888-677-9673. That's 888-677-9673. Or you could even email us at transforminglives at yahoo.com. Love to communicate you and uh, mm-hmm. communicate with you and, and answer any questions or hear your comments tonight. My wife gave me a, a good illustration just before I left. She said, oh, I got a real good illustration. I haven't even had a chance to really read She read it to me, but I haven't had a chance to read it myself. But I'm going to read it now. Uh, it, it's excellent because it really tells us, uh, it, it portrays verses 6 and 7. For, for our old, uh, the old self was crucified in him. And then it talks about, for one who has died has been set free from sin. And the story goes about, it's a story told about two Irishmen. Their name is Pat and Mike. Hey, be careful now. <laughs> <laughs> I like these jokes. <laughs> you, you sure she didn't get this from Glenn? How come it's not two Italians? Well, she's Irish as well. <laughs> be careful, be careful. But these two Irish men, Pat and Mike, they, they found the most unusual turtle. The animal's head had been completely severed, severed from its body. But the turtle was still running around as though nothing had happened. Well, Pat maintained that it was dead. Uh, but Mike denied it stoutly, and he argued uh, that uh, louder and louder until presently uh, came along O'Brien. <laughs> well, they decided that O'Brien, he should be the arbitrator in this matter and that his verdict would be final. So they says, uh, O'Brien, is the, is the turtle alive or is the turtle dead? And O'Brien took one look at this remarkable turtle and says, it's dead, but it don't believe it. <laughs> it's, dead, it's dead, but it but don't, it believe, don't it. believe it. Exactly. That sounds like three Irishmen. <laughs> it's funny. And that's, exact, of... <laughs> that's exactly the problem with many Christians. They are dead mm. to the power of sin. God, Jesus Christ has broke the power of sin within our lives at our conversion, but they do not believe it. And this is the tragedy. This is the tragedy for it. Is, it's this truth. Uh, of this truth that uh, this verse is uh, fully to be believed, and that's what's going to break sin's stranglehold in uh, in the life uh, of one who believes. Mm. You know, it's sad too to to think that not only is is that dynamic true, but we we get another aspect of this. Uh, Paul actually preaches against it right here in Romans six. Shall we continue on in sin that grace may abound? And the understanding that Paul was writing to people who thought, you know, the more I sin, the more grace I get. The more the, I need a lot of grace, so yeah. I, I better do a lot of <laughs> That's sinning. That's right. And so, and and sometimes we've ever. Been, I think a pivotal verse in this in this uh, chapter is not only Romans six six, but Romans six fourteen. Yes, as as you started off mm-hmm. with that, you know. And I think that that verse has probably been mis- misused, abused uh, to people to to tell them that. You know, hey, there's no law for you as a Christian. You're just living under grace. It doesn't really matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you don't do. You're living under grace. Right. Your sins have been paid for. But in verse 15, Paul Paul answers that very thing by saying, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. So in other words, Paul says to us, grace isn't even a license for us to sin. And unfortunately, what we're getting what people get today is to say, well, that grace is still a license for me to sin. So not only are we not talking about the lordship of Christ, but we're we're speaking to them in ways to say, you know, you it's really not that significant whether or not you gain victory over this life-dominating mm-hmm. sin. Mm-hmm. And then we wonder why it is that, the, that we as Christians seem to lack any kind of uh, potent potential in seeing other people come to Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. It is so Just, crucial that we think in terms of our new identity. Isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I, I'd like to comment on that second word. Uh, uh, I think you're there already. Uh, consider. Yes. What does it mean Verse to 11. consider? To consider. Mm-hmm. It's not, hey, let's, you, let's you, think about it. Why don't you read that verse, uh, Gus, first. Read that verse, verse 11. 
I got it. Even yeah. so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Yes, there's the, there's a turning point, as you were saying. Go ahead. But no, it's not just thinking about it. Say, well, let's consider that. In other words, it's as though there were a bunch of options. Right. It is a fact saying, you know, you know this. Mm-hmm. This, this is a, a stated fact. Consider yourself dead to sin. And yeah. it's the B word, isn't it? Yeah. Believe it. Yeah. Believe yeah. that you are. This is what he's saying. Consider, consider it to be true. Consider the implications of it. Meditate mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. Let it work through your system so that mm-hmm. it begins to affect how you choose and uh, what choices you make and how you live those choices out. You are dead to sin. So when you're tempted to sin, you need to be simply saying things like, I'm dead to that. It's, right. it's going to yeah. bounce there off you of go. Me. Excellent. I'm dead to that. And that's what we need to, t- t- to, tell, to tell the devil when he tempts us. I'm dead to that, Satan. You know, Paul has that in his epistle, I think it's Timothy or Titus, where he says uh, the gospel's come teaching us how to say no to sin. Mm-hmm. Right. This is the very principle, isn't it, that he, that he lays out then for us later in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2. In view of God's mercy, what are we to do? We're to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Mm-hmm. This this uh, this aspect of saying I am dying to myself because God has enabled me through Christ to be able right. to do that mm-hmm. that I can yeah. reckon myself dead to my passions and 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 those issues that would draw me away from being more like Christ. And you know, guys, until you believe the truth that Jesus Christ has broken the power of your sin nature, you're really not going to live a life of victory because mm. in your heart you really don't believe it mm-hmm. do you mm-hmm. unbelief is rampant <laughs> in the christian community uh, of different sorts i heard a, a, a story once that i've repeated as a pastor you know pastors have the right to like certain illustrations and use them themselves and one i used often i heard as a young christian about the uh, a fellow who had literally died and and they had a uh, funeral service and people came uh, not because they liked the man but crowds came because they hated this man uh, he was a, a wicked, evil person, and they they came and and filed a, along the line and walked past the casket and uh, took various turns. Each person that came up, expressing their disgust at this man, and some of them slapped his face, some mm. spit into the casket, wow. and cursed at him and mm-hmm. walked on by. And the interesting thing uh, the pastor had said, the preacher said, was, you know. That guy just laid there and took it. He he didn't respond. He didn't say a thing. And why was that? And the congregation said, because he was he dead. He was says, dead. do you get the message? If you're, <laughs> if you're dead, yeah. then your response mm. is, is going to be a deadness to the temptations of sin. Amen. And with that, we're going to take a, a short two-minute break here. Call us at 888-677-9673. Tonight, we'd like to give you a free book called a Bible Promise Book. To anyone who calls tonight for a comment or a question or anything like that, we'd love to hear from you. The Biblical Counseling Institute offers training in the use of God's Word to help people solve the common problems of life in a fallen world. Whether personal problems or relational problems, the Scriptures give competent counsel for all non-organically caused problems. BCI exists to equip Christians to handle the Bible practically for themselves and others, gently and compassionately, towards solutions that transform lives and glorify God. Various types of training are available. You can come to us in Garrettsville, we can bring classes to your church, or you can take classes in your own home by correspondence. For more information, call BCI at 330-527-4205 or email us at info at bci-ohio.com. That's 330-527-4205 or info at bci-ohio.com. Do you desire to become more Christ-like? I want you to make you aware of a unique resource every Christian should have who wants to grow in Christ-like character. Transformed into His Likeness by Armin Tiffey is a handbook for putting off sin and putting on the righteousness of Jesus Christ and will help you identify personal habits and tendencies that are hindering your walk with the Lord. 
This valuable biblical resource will not only help you identify where personal change is needed in your life, but will also explain how to put off old sinful habits and replace them with new godly behaviors. For more information about this wonderful resource, log on to transformedintohislikeness.com. That's transformedintohislikeness.com. If you'd like to order a copy, call 1-800-656-0231 or ask for it at your local bookstore. Transformed Into His Likeness by Armin Tiffey. Welcome back to Transforming Lives, a panel, a panel of pastors, and we're discussing uh, the foundation for transformed living. And uh, this is Romans chapter 6 that we're speaking of. And the uh, first thing we've discovered in Romans chapter 6 is that we need to understand our position in Christ. We have a whole new identity. When we came to Christ, we are no longer in Adam. We are in Christ. And, uh, and, and uh, the Apostle Paul explains that position, our identity, in the first uh, eight verses or so. And then he goes on to saying, now consider this to be so. Believe it, in verse 11. Mm-hmm. So it, it's another uh, verse that where the passage hinges upon. Uh, but also, uh, fellas, we uh, see another hinge in this, the third hinge, and, uh, in verses 12 and 13, where it says, now uh, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members. And it's talking about the members of our bodies, our hands, our feet, our eyes, our mouth, our nose and ears and so on. Do not present the members of your body to, uh, to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but, and there's the put off, put on, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from the dead, to, from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So uh, what the apostle is saying here, don't present your members as instruments of sin, but present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. Mm -hmm. And that's another turning point. I believe the apostle is getting very personal here. Now he's getting, he's telling us now, put this truth into practice, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Put this truth into practice. And what exactly is, is he telling us to put into practice here? Well, uh, well, I think when we look at the word present yourself, he's saying do not present, present yourself to sin. In other words, do not uh, willfully make decisions to sin, but willfully present yourself, willfully make decisions to, to ha- to, to, uh, not to sin. Right. And you have, we have the power to do that. Mm-hmm. So it begins uh, in, in the mind and in the will. Mm-hmm. So we need the, the person, we need, all need to be constantly aware of this truth right. that we have the power to do this mm-hmm. if, we make, if we present our wills to God. Can you think of uh, uh, some examples of how Christians actually are presenting their members, the members of their body, to unrighteousness? I'm thinking of uh, Job, who in uh, chapter 32 said, I made a covenant with my eyes uh, not to look upon a, a virgin in a certain sort of way. And uh, and I think uh, what Paul is trying to say is, you belong to Jesus. Uh, he, you know, he wrote in Corinthians that uh, we are bought with our price. Mm-hmm. And so we serve God in our body. We glorify him with our body. And I keep that in mind with this passage. So when he's saying present your members of your body— uh, He's got the idea that think about your body as an extension of you that you have control over, that you have stewardship over, that you have the ability to decide what you will do with the members of your body. And he's saying, don't make your hands, don't let your hands be available for requests to sin. Don't let your legs or your feet head in the direction. Mm -hmm. You have charge over this Mm -hmm. in Christ. You're Mm -hmm. alive to Christ now. Uh, reckon yourself dead to that. So don't make your body available. Make a covenant with your eyes. Make a make a covenant with your hands. Make a covenant with your body. Say, I will not allow mm-hmm. the use of my body mm-hmm. to serve unrighteousness as mm-hmm. it used to do. Mm-hmm. It's owned by God. He owns my body, and he wants to live through my body. Mm-hmm. So I'm dead to myself, as we said earlier, and Christ mm-hmm. will live through me, and the members of my body will be in his service. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's easy to say, and we all know that that's mm-hmm. part of the struggle. <laughs> Even right. Paul would say in the yeah. next chapter, Mm-hmm. But yet, that's the fact. That's the truth. And we have to consider it and build it into our systems and uh, make choices along those lines. Amen. Looking at this in, 
in a, a, a practical application of a life-dominating problem. A fellow who's a drunkard. No, notice I'm not saying an alcoholic. I'm saying he's a drunkard because the Bible mm-hmm. doesn't mm-hmm. speak of alcoholism. Mm-hmm. It talks mm-hmm. about being a drunkard. And that person has a, 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 a hand mm-hmm. that could go put, in, put his hand in his pocket mm-hmm. and pull out some money and walk into a bar and go across and hand somebody some money to get the drink. Right. Instead of saying, no, I'll, I'll present this member, this yeah, hand, go. from going in and taking the money and going mm-hmm. forward mm-hmm. to do that. Right. And you do it part by part yep. with the continual ongoing awareness mm-hmm. of presenting right. your body uh, in this way. That's, getting, that's putting it into practice. Mm-hmm. It, what the old Puritans used to call being as fre- trying to be as flesh-free as possible. Mm-hmm. Watch what you subject yourself to. In other words, if a Christian is subjecting themselves to certain type of movies, decadent movies, or certain type of music, what, would that be presenting your bodies to righteousness or unrighteousness? Yeah, unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. Exactly. In the religious tradition that I grew up in, I'll always remember the statement, avoid the near occasion of sin. Mm-hmm. Right, Joe? Mm-hmm. Avoid the near occasion of sin. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Joe you, Joe, you made a comment uh, I, I thought was good we, we need to bring out a little bit. You used the word choice. Yes. That, and that's what verses 12 and 13 are telling us now. Based upon our position in Christ, our mm-hmm. identity in Christ as believers, we now are called to make a choice. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you may obey its lust. We now can make a, make a choice. And... Uh, and so, so the, the 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 and it's a choice that we need to make daily, moment by moment, really. Right, exactly. It is surrendering every member to to Christ, to surrendering our whole, all of our members of our body to Him, that we are a a living sacrifice for Him. I think one of the things that's important to remember in this is that God's commands assume God's enablement. Yes. And so when we're told, as you've just read for us, Armin, that we're to not let sin reign in our mortal bodies, again, part of thinking biblically about that is to say, well, then if I'm commanded to do that, then God will enable me to keep that commandment. Amen. And again, this is where it goes back to thinking biblically. Um, We are so driven in our culture to let our feelings inform our faith. Mm Mm-hmm. And so we we say to ourselves, but this sinful disposition feels so strong. This this desire, this addiction, Mm -hmm, whatever mm -hmm, it is, mm -hmm. this thing feels so strong. Uh Aha, but listen, your Bible tells you if you truly belong to Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17, the old is gone and the new has Mm -hmm, come. mm -hmm. Even when Paul speaks to us in Romans chapter 7, and what Christian who's, who's been a Christian for more than five minutes can identify with what Paul says in Romans 7, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to (laughs) do, I do, oh, wretched man that I am, (laughs) who will save me from this body of the flesh? Mm -hmm. But it seems to me as we read Romans chapter 7, what is the identifying character? What is the the trait that makes that battle different? And I think it comes, what we see in verse 22, Mm -hmm. he says, but in my inner being, I delight Mm -hmm. in God's law. Right. See, and I think this is where that change begins to come mm-hmm. from. And you've mentioned the Puritans. And the Puritans would tell us that it is the daily duty of the Christian to mortify mm, the flesh. flesh. It's it. not a term. It's that, not a term the church is familiar mortification. with. Mortification, yeah. right? Put to death. Yeah, that's mortification. Right. That's right. In other words, if we if we're told to put that sin to death, right. We can put that sin to death. Mm-hmm. So we would say to somebody tonight who's struggling, as you've said, Joe, somebody who's struggling with homosexuality. And, and you're a professed believer in Christ, be assured tonight, mm-hmm. the Bible tells you that you can put that sin to death. Someone Amen. who's struggling with, mm-hmm. with gossip and slander, perhaps right. you left church right, today right. and the mm-hmm. first appetizing meal that you had was to dissect your pastor and speak about your pastor <laughs> and serve him up for the, for the appetizer before the main course. You know, God is not pleased with that. Right. That's gossip. That's right, slander. Right, it's right. backbiting. Mm-hmm. And you're by, if, you, if this is what you're prone to, the Bible says you can have victory over that mm-hmm. if you belong to Christ. Right. And so, these are the right. things that we have to offer un, unto the Lord. So, there, so it's a very encouraging passage. There's hope here. Uh, uh, it stimulates our faith. But at the same time, uh, there may be some that are thinking out there, okay, if, if sin shall have no dominion over me, and that's what the Bible says, uh, if it's no longer my master, then then why is it that I keep on sinning? I think Glenn just uh, went to the scripture that's uh, that addresses this. Paul says, O wretched man that I am, 
I do the things I don't want to do. I don't do the things that I, sh- I should. Who is going to deliver me from this this uh, bondage of, of death? Uh, it's Christ. Right? It's Christ. And, and we're always going to have these struggles. We are fallen people. Mm-hmm. We have a fall. We are totally depraved, every part of us. So we're still going to have the, the propensity mm-hmm. to sin. That residual but, effect. But I heard this. I, I saw the movie over the, uh, over the weekend on Amazing Grace. Oh. And John Newton said, I'm a great sinner, but I have a greater Savior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. Amen. You know, uh, radio friends out there, when, when uh, tempted by Satan to sin, if you're a believer, uh, based upon Romans chapter 6, your, your, your reply should be in the words of verse 2, certainly not. Mm. How shall I who died to sin, to the sin nature, live any longer in it? You can now say to your hand, you don't have to touch that anymore. You can now say to your feet, you don't have to go there anymore. Mm. You can now say to your tongue, you don't have to say that anymore. Mm. You can now say to your eyes, you don't have to look at that anymore. And you can now say to your mind, you don't, I don't have to think that anymore. Mm. But the big question is, do you believe it? See, what you're doing here, you're exercising your will because you are believing the truth that Jesus Christ broke sin's power over you. And that's the way to victory over sin. Mm-hmm. And the hope, the hope that is plugged into that, I think, is Paul's words in Philippians 2, uh, where he says in, in verse 12, 13, that uh, we, we must remember that it's Christ in us, God who is at work in, in us. Mm-hmm. The hope of Both, glory. No, no, no. Both to will and to, and to, to do. do his so even when we're not willing, we don't want to. Mm-hmm. Christ is our hope. He's delivering us from this wretched body of sin. He is changing our wills yeah. and changing our abilities to do according to his will. And it it's the process that we're in that you mentioned earlier is called sanctification. That's our hope. And we cooperate with that by choice Amen. we find the scriptures Amen. we we understand what they're renewing our mind we Amen. we love god from our hearts Amen. and so we make choices that right. prove that we love right. god and he changes us and, and god this, says we can now make those choices based upon absolute. our position and the Christ. speed with which we do this is directly proportionate to the amount of commitment to the word mm. and to him mm. to do it amen that's why he says in romans 12 too, be not conformed to the pattern of this world any longer but be transformed, transformed. By the renewing renewing of your mind. Is it any wonder that we're passionate tonight about this issue? Is it any wonder that, as we talked about these things months ago, we said, hey, what would be a good uh, name for this ministry? Transforming lives. Transforming lives. Because that's that's what we believe. There's not a life out there that cannot be transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. And with that, we're going to take a a short two-minute break. We'll be right back. The Biblical Counseling Institute offers training in the use of God's Word to help people solve the common problems of life in a fallen world. Whether personal problems or relational problems, the Scriptures give competent counsel for all non-organically caused problems. BCI exists to equip Christians to handle the Bible practically for themselves and others, gently and compassionately, towards solutions that transform lives and glorify God. Various types of training are available. You can come to us in Garrettsville. We can bring classes to your church, or you can take classes in your own home by correspondence. For more information, call BCI at 330-527-4205 or email us at info at bci-ohio.com. That's 330-527-4205 or info at bci-ohio.com. Do you desire to become more Christ-like? I want to make you aware of a unique resource every Christian should have who wants to grow in Christ-like character. Transformed into His Likeness by Armin Tiffey is a handbook for putting off sin and putting on the righteousness of Jesus Christ and will help you identify personal habits and tendencies that are hindering your walk with the Lord. This valuable biblical resource will not only help you identify where personal change is needed in your life, but will also explain how to put off old sinful habits and replace them with new godly behaviors. For more information about this wonderful resource, log on to transformedintohislikeness.com. That's transformedintohislikeness.com. If you'd like to order a copy, call 1-800-656-0231 or ask for it at your local bookstore. Transformed Into His Likeness by Armin Tiffey. 
Welcome back to Transforming Lives. We're a panel of pastors, and we're discussing Romans chapter 6, key, key passage of Scripture for uh, a Christian to understand uh, the truths within it, to overcome uh, sin within their lives. Not that it won't be a struggle. It will be a struggle. Guys, we've looked at the first 14 verses, which are extremely important. In fact, I I always encourage Christians, uh, my son's trying to memorize the first uh, Romans chapter 6, but especially the, the first 14 verses are just crucial in understanding mm-hmm. how to sin less and less. But we haven't looked at the last half. The last half, last half is very important as well. And uh, there, there's uh, many uh, great truths in the last half, verses uh, 15 through 23. And I just want to, we just have a few minutes left, and I just want to throw out to any of you uh, any truths that you can glean uh, from the last half of Romans uh, chapter 6. One of the things, Armin, that I was inspired by years ago was that section when the Apostle Paul goes on to talk about we are to compare ourselves in, in how we serve the Lord that as we give ourselves to the Lord by the choices we make in obedience to him by his power in us, that the comparison would be we could be servants or even slaves of Christ with our members the same way we used to serve Mm -hmm. or be a slave to sin. And that comparison struck me so much that I thought, you know, I was hopelessly a slave to sin when I wasn't a Christian. I didn't even realize it. But every motivation was not the way God wanted me to go. I was going my own way. And so all of the members, my mind for, to the physical body, was committed to serving the enemy of our souls. Mm-hmm. And, and God is telling us through Paul, we need to see ourselves exactly the opposite of that. So filled with the desire to please God and the passion to live for God for what he's done for us, that every part of our being, from the immaterial part of the mind to the physical part of our body is yielded to God's service, and we are just as much enslaved and devoted mm-hmm. uh, that way toward mm-hmm. God and His purposes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, than we used to be in the service of sin and pursuing pleasure mm-hmm. and all the other well, gods why, why that we you read that verse? You're, you're, you're referring to verse 16. Read verse 16, Do Joe. you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you're slaves of the one whom you obey? either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, Mm -hmm. you became slaves of righteousness. Mm -hmm. And then it says, speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you presented your members Mm -hmm. as slaves to impurity Mm -hmm. and a lawlessness resulting in further lawlessness, Mm -hmm. the downward spiral, what we would call, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness resulting in sanctification. Mm -hmm. And when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What's the correlate? If you're slaves to righteousness, you're going to be free free Mm -hmm. from sin. All of us here have been uh, walking with the Lord for some time, and all of us admit we're great sinners. Yeah. Amen. And we look back at when we first came to Christ, as Joe just alluded to. Now he, we didn't even know some of the stuff we were doing was sin. Right. And we look now. This is not a prideful statement. This is a statement made for encouragement. That I, as I look back, and I'm sure as you fellows look back in your life, we can see the, the well, how these verses have been applied in our lives and how we were able to gain victory mm. over a lot of the sin in our lives. Mm. And, and it wasn't some self-help method or some, some uh, psychological manipulation mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. or behavior modification. Mm-hmm. We say, wow, man, as Paul says, you once were right. this. No, you're not. And now you're not. Mm-hmm. And it was because of Joe said earlier, Christ is at work in us, both to will and to do his good pleasure. We present ourselves to him. And so the folks out there, you can gain victory. Right. It's promise. It's, a, right. it's not just a, a, a thought in the Bible or a, right. a, a, a printing in a good book. Mm-hmm. It's a promise from the, the one who saved you. It's reality. That's right. would, would I be accurate to say uh, that assume that God created man or created us to habituate? Would I be accurate to say that? We were created, yes, I would yeah. believe so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we could habituate to good or in, bad to in sin or we could or in, in unrighteousness sure. or we could habituate in righteousness. Yes. Mm-hmm. According to the Romans yes. sixteen through nineteen. That might be difficult for some of our listeners. Habituate might be a strange mm-hmm. word. It simply means we, we're given a habit capacity, the ability to 
to program ourselves by repeated choice so that things can become very easy and and repeatable without us consciously making the choices anymore, just like driving standard shift or brushing our teeth or whatever. That's called habituation, and we have grown up in sin originally, and so we habituate ourselves or program ourselves regularly to sin. We start Mm -hmm, to do it mm -hmm. so automatically we're not even aware of it, Mm -hmm. but God putting off and putting on through us uh, changes those very habits. You know, think of this verse, if we connect that, and you in verse 22 of that passage, but now having been set free from sin yes. and having become slaves to God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Mm. You know, Jesus himself tells us that we cannot serve two masters. And again, I go back to that thing that we started with at the beginning, that sin shall no longer be Lord over you. And, and this is exactly what uh, Paul is referencing here. And you think about that and connect it to this in John chapter 8 and the, the latter portion of verse 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And I think one of the greatest privileges that we have in, in this ministry, this radio broadcast, is not only to promote this kind of freedom, this kind of spiritual freedom to people who are Christians, but perhaps there's someone listening tonight that has no idea of this kind of freedom that Jesus Christ can bring. Right. And perhaps for the first time you're hearing that there is an opportunity for you not only to be forgiven of your sin, to have your uh, life restored in the matters of your relationship to the Heavenly Father who is holy, but also to be freed. And what it, we would just encourage you tonight, if, if God is dealing with you, if you know that you're a sinner, if you know that you've never had opportunity to, to uh, confess that, that Christ can forgive you, and, and that it's no accident that you're hearing this message tonight. And the same Christ who has freed us from being dominated by sin, this is the testimony that you're giving, Gus, that same Christ can free you. And we would encourage you, if, if you want to talk to us about that, you can certainly call, uh, you can uh, email us at transforminglives at yahoo.com. We would be more than privileged to be able to present Christ to you, right. this one who frees us, this Christ who freed me, mm-hmm. and this Christ who says, now you're no longer a slave to your own passions, mm-hmm. but you're a slave to God through yeah. Jesus right. Christ. And the benefit of being a slave to God is sanctification, yeah. right. and the benefits of sanctification end in eternal life. Yeah. Right. If, if the if Son sets you free, Jesus says, you are free indeed. You know, you just think of the words, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty. Almighty, I'm free at last, free from my own sinful disposition. You know, yes, I still have to deal with sin. I will be the first to admit I'm not like that man who says I haven't sinned in months, but I am freed from being lorded over by those sinful passions that apart from Christ, I couldn't gain victory over. Amen. Amen. Gus, you're the elder. I'm going to give you a last word. Last word is, uh, I think I want to tag on to uh, re-emphasize what uh, Pastor Glenn said. (laughs) Folks out there, if you're struggling with this and and you are uh, not gaining victory over a relationship, over over a sexual sin, and you're really struggling, and, and you don't even know how to do this, give us a call. Uh, and, and let us know that uh, so that we can help you. Thanks for joining us tonight on Transforming Lives. Armand, you've done a great job in hosting us through Next week. Romans chapter 6. Next week, Thank reminder. you. Next week now, 7 o'clock, Transforming Lives. Jay Adams, Dr. Jay Adams will be on the program. You don't want to miss that one. Check out our website at www.bci-ohio.com. Good night. God bless you and good night. You have been listening to Transforming Lives, brought to you by the Biblical Counseling Institute of Garrettsville, Ohio. We invite you to visit our website at bci-ohio.com. That's bci-ohio.com. There you will find information about BCI, our resources, course offerings, and available materials. You may also write to the Biblical Counseling Institute, 8146 High Street, 